Hello and welcome. You are listening to Navigating the Metaverse, where we interview trailblazers in the NFT and metaverse space who share their insider advice for how to do business in the Web 3.0 era. Your host is Maso DiBartolo. By the way, did you know that you can buy, sell, and trade virtual land inside of Upland, the metaverse that is mapped to the real world? You can download Upland on iOS or Android or enter it on the web by using the referral link in the show notes. Grab your special sign-up bonus of 6,000 UpX today and start rebuilding the world with others. With that being said, enjoy today's episode. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to another episode of Navigating the Metaverse. A tremendous, a great lineup of speakers and colleagues of mine, peers in the space of Web3 and the Metaverse here today. I would like to start out by introducing Brianna Teubner, is a venture partner at Atlantic Capital, a series of funds that invest in fashion tech with a climate lens. Brianna, such a pleasure to have you. Thank you, Tomaso. Good to be here. And we have Mohamed Ezeldin, is the tokenomics lead at Animoca Brands, a leader in digital entertainment, blockchain, and gamification. Mohamed, such a pleasure to have you. Thank you for having me, Tommaso. Pleasure to be here. And last but not least, Will Weinraub is the co-founder and CEO of OnChain Studios, a new digital studio on a mission to empower, educate, and entertain the next generation of collectors around the world. What a pleasure, Will. Oh, thank you, Tommaso. Great to be here with you all. Navigating the metaverse, we are always exploring and expanding and sharing lessons learned with our audience about uh, the metaverse. And uh, we have been having the pleasure here to um, have some brilliant minds such as yours and peers from the market have been sharing all things about tokenomics, uh, uh, tokenomics um, how to onboard a brand. And always uh, the questions come always up on how can we create value with the brands in those in this initial phase actually of the metaverse i'm pointing out an initial phase because we are still in in a nascent phase right brianna you have been working with the brands you are investing in in startups that are web3 based right what's your experience and what would you share here with our audience on what are the implications on one hand, and maybe also the opportunities for, for brands to be part of this uh, collaborative effort called Web3 and Metaverse? Yeah, I think the first thing is that both sides have some really awesome things to bring to the table. So, you know, from my experience in gaming and scaling a, a pay-to-play a mobile marketplace, what gaming has pioneered in terms of engagement and retention and the ever-elusive community building, um, brands can really take note and, and learn. Uh, on, the, on the gaming side, I think gaming has a lot to learn from uh, brand builders in terms of building awesome product, merchandising it, uh, what we call in the Web3 community tokenomics in, in a way that um, uh, adds value. I don't know. Mohamed, what, what are your thoughts and maybe your experiences, right? You have the angle of, of toko, tokenomics, right? But it comes, uh, it comes not only in, 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 in place from a game mechanic 
point of view within the metaverse also, but also it leads on to collaborations with, with third parties such as IP brands, right? What, what, what have you seen there working when it comes to, to brand and brand engagement and maybe the link to tokenomics? So I think Brana hit, hit the nail on the head. It, it's definitely to do with adding value. So it, it's where the value add comes from. I think from what we've seen in, in Web3, a lot of that value add seems to be financial incentives. And it's, it's understanding that there are different motivators for people as opposed to just financial incentives. So I think that's a, a, a new angle to Web3, so to speak. Everything so far has always been about ROI, ROI, ROI. The space has attracted a large amount of speculators and we need to shake that up. So in terms of what Brian is about to talk about, I think it's, it's very intriguing and I'm really interested to hear more. Well, what yeah, are your thoughts? It's fascinating. Um, or Brian. Yeah, I think, um, you know, the first in-app purchase or, or microtransaction in gaming just happened in 2006. It's, it's literally 20, you know, almost 20 years ago. So when we think about, you know, the monetization in gaming, it hasn't been around that long from a relativity standpoint. Um, today, gaming, um, you know, in-app purchases or microtransactions are, about 75% of the $200 billion gaming industry. And so the products and value that's changing hands within gaming, um, I, that's what makes me really excited. And both sides of the equation have something to learn from each other there. Yeah, uh, just to kind of echo my, my two uh, fellow panelists here, I, I think it's absolutely spot on. And it's really interesting to kind of see the backlash on traditional gamers uh, with NFTs. I mean, there's a really big backlash right now whenever somebody mentions NFT to a traditional gamer that's not exposed to Web3 and cryptos. It's like an allergic reaction. Um, but to me, we saw this just recently with free-to-play. Remember when the whole uh, industry transitioned into free-to-play, gamers hated that model. Gamers said, no, don't nickel and dime me. Don't give me the game for free. Tell me how much I'm going to pay up front and then I'll get into it. And now everybody recognizes free to play as a standard for the industry. And I think gamers have warmed up to it over the last few years. And, you know, brands are doing similar kind of tr transitions. They have to go through that initial backlash. They had free to play games. And then, you know, people said to brands, why are you doing these free to play games? Free to play games are a scam. And now everybody's like, yeah, give me free to play games. So like NFTs and Web3 are going through a similar transition. And, like the, the problem that a lot of gamers feel is that they're not exposed to NFTs, they're not exposed to, to, to Web3 like we are. They, they think of cryptocurrency at a high level as a scam. So they think of it as a cash grab. They think of it as like an ICO driven thing, what they see in the news, but they're not educated well enough, I think, by, by marketers within these organizations to like really tell them, no, this is not about cryptocurrency. This is just about true ownership uh, and provenance about assets that you already are, are having in game. To me, it's completely backwards that if I buy Halo for Xbox physically, I buy the physical version, I could then have that physical copy and sell it back to GameStop for a price or sell it on eBay. But yet if I buy the digital version, I don't have any rights to sell that or resell that whatsoever. To me, that makes absolutely no sense. The physical one has more rights than the digital one where it should be equivalent. And as we move more and more into this digital world and the world becomes more and more digital and we see with the next generation, that ownability and, and, and being able to sell and, and have that provenance is going to be very, very important to this next wave of consumers. So brands are adopting to that mindset very, very quickly, which is why you see more brands, I think, leaning into the space now. Yeah, I think that's super cool. And we've seen a parallel to that, I think, in, you know, product, fa fashion, beauty, 
um, where NFTs and gaming are adding that second life of ownership. And it's a whole new value chain that anyone building games needs to think about, uh, obviously, super dynamically. Uh, And then on the brand side, you know, on the sustainability side, we're seeing that whole value chain open up on the resale side in terms of IRL goods. And one of my favorite partnerships of recent um, is a brand called Depop. It's a um, IRL market. It's a virtual marketplace where you sell IRL secondhand goods, but they just launched a partnership with Sims um, where you can go in similar to how Sims allowed uh, virtual players and gamers to buy solar panels and recycle their trash. Now they can recycle digital fashion goods inside the game and get points. And so I'm super excited to see how ownership comes into that and carbon credits. And that is that, you know, amorphous utility world where IRL and um, virtual gaming comes in for, for product economies. You touch upon something super fundamental, last word, right? The product economies, right? I think with the with the ownership, um, and in order to avoid to have environments that are transactional, like buying and selling things, right? We need to go beyond the, just the fact of uh, um, having uh, now the ability to own something digitally, right? And and Mohamed, this this is your angle at at Animoca Brands, right? Um, how can you take a transactional approach of you know dropping something that is now digitally able to be owned and and make it uh, engaging, retaining, increasing utility uh, in uh, for the asset itself? What are your experiences there? What can you share with our audience? Uh, absolutely, I, th- I think something interesting is is. Um, we look at these things just from transactional point of views, but sometimes you might have to look from interactional point of views. Some, like when sometimes I'm designing some of the, these ecosystems, it's more trying to see where the different interactions happen between the stakeholders and, and looking at these interactions and understanding which of these interactions can be monetized. For example, where does it make sense for, for there to be a form of monetary value? Where does it not make sense for there to be a form of of, of, of value changing hands, for example, or a, a fee being, being put in? But I think more to the case of, of brands, it's it's interesting, and I guess more of a question to Brenna because I've I've been pondering with something that they're looking at in terms of carbon credits, but in what aspect of blockchain are they actually using, or is that not being used in terms of the terminology? Is it more the application, or is the tech being talked about within within these settings? Yeah, I think in general, that's the link. And I'm looking for companies that are building that infrastructure and and making that link. And uh, frankly, you know, attending Polygon's Green Blockchain Summit uh, and hearing uh, a lot of the challenges that we have to solve around, frankly, carbon credits. And you can expand that beyond in terms of protocols enabling product economies. I think we have a lot of work to do there, and that's I, I'm excited about that, and I, I want to you know invest in companies that are helping to build that. Yeah, that's super intriguing. Uh, definitely, the the topic of, of of carbon footprint is is super fundamental and and relevant. Moment back to the initial initial thoughts here and and, and question, right? So you have in your in on your LinkedIn profile one word, right? Which if this wouldn't be you say here uh, to build things that work. 
right? Yeah. <laughs> in terms of economics that work. And I was like, wow, that work, that, that the work goes deep, right? Uh, uh, and and uh, I can give you maybe some context here, right? So what we have seen in metaverses obviously is on one hand, what I call the transaction and drops, right? On the other hand, you see in the metaverse, let's say events, which, are, which have a beginning and an end, right? Then you have obviously the traditional and classical um, collectibles, uh, right? Uh, and, you know, uh, the, the more you collect, right? And then there is this other word which has been used, which is utility, right? And, and utility might, might, uh, might be the case if you have, uh, you know, non-fungible token at the right place at the right time, or if you, you use it uh, uh, to achieve a certain, let's say, um, uh, goal, right? And it's, and it's valuable, right? So what else can you share with us? What can you share with us, right? In terms of utility and when an NFT uh, becomes uh, valuable and increases its, its, its yield, what, what, what insights can you share with us there? So where, where to start? Okay, I guess an NFT is the buzzword of, of, of the moment in, in this instance. So we can, we can start there. I feel we use the, the word NFT, but what do we actually mean? I think there's, there's the first educational piece we need to speak about from that aspect, is it um, an access key into a gated community? Is it an in-game asset? Is it something representing, or it, does it represent something in real life? There are so many different functionalities for NFTs now that we use the, the word so in such a, I don't know, in, in, in a nonchalant fashion, but we need to define what we're actually talking about when we say NFT, because I think that then gives more context to the situation. Um, even within some of the ecosystems that, that we're involved in, it's, there are multiple functionalities for these NFTs where they do re represent in-game assets, they do represent badges, they do represent um, well, so multiple different things. And I think what's interesting as well, it's we think of everything or NFTs be, being it for us to be able to transact and buy and sell every NFT. But does every NFT need to be bought and sold? And I think this this idea of soulbound tokens and having something that represents who you are within an ecosystem, it's its quite fresh and I feel it's giving us an opportunity or a way to describe something that maybe many of us couldn't articulate and now we have a common analogy, so to speak, when, when trying to describe something. And I think that's what we need more of in, in the space. But back, back to your point, it's again, it's understanding what is the core building block of the ecosystem and it, it's ironic because I try to stay clear, but community is at the base of this. And I know what, what, what was said off air by <laughs> just before we started about speaking about um, communities. But for me, my narrative has, has changed and it's genuinely looking about what can we do to add value to the community. And that's when you can start to build out an ecosystem that I think works. And I think what adds value to the ecosystem is dynamic. It changes. And we talk about this idea of, of personas Within an ecosystem, you have different stakeholders and each stakeholder acts differently. But what we don't talk about is that I can be multiple, I can have multiple different personas within an ecosystem, depending on what part of the ecosystem that I'm interacting with. And then that adds layers of complexity. And all of a sudden, when you've got loads of different conditional probabilities that are playing out, things get, get quite complex in, in that nature. So we tone it down, we start to get it, and it's understanding now that it's not we don't want to design the complete ecosystem for people to be able to maneuver in, but more so we want to design a strong foundation of an ecosystem and over time have the community decide how that ecosystem develops. And what's interesting, and I'm happy this is the first time I'm using this, but DAOs, DAOs for me are something that I want to play a very important role in, in the future. Again, another buzzword in the space, another 
word or terminology that was used when, when a lot of projects were fundraising, we're going to have a DAO around this, we're going to have a DAO around that. But we also need to understand that when you're building something, that there needs to be a strong element of centralization at the beginning because it's a core group of people. They have the vision. They know what they want to do. And as that vision grows, the community and the supporters around that vision who buy into that vision, they grow as well. And as we think of roadmaps for, for growth of a platform, we need to have roadmaps to decentralization. And I think that's something super important because we need to understand what does decentralization look like. We know we're not decentralized. I mean, there are even blockchains that, that break down every five minutes. Mm -hmm. Naming names, they're not, they're not decentralized. <laughs> But they work. They have a community around them, and I think this is this is the um, um, the, the the point. It's the community decides what goes where. I mean, OpenSea tried to integrate with with Solana, and that backfired. To be completely honest, it backfired. And actually, the volume on on, on Magic Eden grew, and I think it's been growing month on month for the past three months. Maybe it might have dipped in June. I need to double check, but that's testament. We're in a bear market. No one told the the guys on either Magic Place, agent, either Magic. Sorry, that that. that it's a bear market so it's it's understanding these complexities and understanding we don't need to solve everything now we're very and it was said before we're in a very early building stage and the web3 tooling to us is still very early stage and when we're building we want everything to be on chain but really what the, what actually needs to be on chain and we can start with a lot more off chain and slowly build that on chainness if that's even a word if not i'm, I'm claiming credit for that um <laughs> no, but all, all jokes aside, it's it's the, the other side of it is Web two users. I mean, go to a Web two user and tell them you're a Web two user. They're going to think, what's Web two? What's Web three? They don't know what Web two is, and we're using Web two to explain Web three. They just want to use something that works. So I think us trying to sell it as but by using flashy words to the standard person, it doesn't work. You have to give them something they understand, something they know how to use with blockchain on the back end, with Web3, with crypto, whatever we want to call it, with all of that on the back end, but the user experience has to be as close to Web2 as possible. And I, and I feel that's how we start to gain mass adoption. It's by taking them on that journey from Web2 to Web3, because a lot of us were still on that journey. We're, we're still, I mean, what does tokenomics even mean? If we were to go around between the four of us, we'd have slightly different definitions to, to what it means. So just so we get that, cohesiveness within the space so we understand what it is we're talking about the tooling matures the whole space matures and i do believe that it, there will be an inflection point because of crypto web3 it, it's touching so many verticals right now that it's just a matter of time before mainstream adoption hits in, in my opinion and i feel it will be an inflection point when all of the, the web2 users are are using crypto are using blockchain and they don't realize and then once this inflection point hits Within, I don't know, six, nine, 12 months, it will be, oh, wait, oh, this is crypto. These are NFTs. This is blockchain. Why didn't you tell me this from the beginning? This is amazing. Okay, Metaverse Nation, great news. If you're enjoying this episode, you'll love our book. Written by our lovely co-hosts and industry leaders in the NFT and Metaverse space, we published an in-depth guide for how to succeed in the new Web 3.0 environment. How can you as a brand or a company capitalize on the momentum? How are others doing it? We demystify the industry and potential for you. The link to the book is listed in the show notes, or you can simply look for the Navigating the Metaverse book on Amazon or visit our website at themetaversebook.me. But let's get back to the show. 
There is a lot to unpack here. You say mass adaption moving from Web 2 to Web 3. And at the center of all this, it's it's still solving a problem or, or being entertaining, right? An, an end user. This doesn't change in a in the in our business model, if you want to call it in a business canva, right? Well, you have a different approach with crypto toys, right? In terms of uh, the value that you bring to your community, right? What's your approach and why did you come about uh, connecting the physical with the digital? What what can you what can you share there with us? Well, I think it's again to to kind of echo what Mohammed said here, I think he's, he's absolutely spot on, is right now we're in a very early phase. It's all about the technicals, right? You have these like decentralization maxis and the Ethereum maxis and all this stuff, talking about protocol layers and all these buzzwords and acronyms. We have NFTs and, and Web3 and DAOs. And it reminds me of like the early days of the internet when we were talking about HTTP and SMTP and all this kind of stuff that really no consumers don't really care about at the end of the day. And we talk about which blockchain we're going to build on and whatnot. It reminds me when I was starting my, my first uh, venture-backed business back in 2012, people asked me what coding language I built it on, and I told them PHP. And they were like, oh, no, bro. They're like, you're not building this in Ruby? You're not building this in Python? You're not going to make it. It can't be PHP. <laughs> And you fast forward now to the modern internet. Does anybody care what coding stack anything is built on? Consumers just care if it's a great user experience, right? And whatever tools you need to use to provide a great user experience, what matters? So I think we're very much in this, you know, in that early phase that Mohammed's mentioning that we have to kind of figure out ways to get over. If we're going to bring, you know, the next hundred million people into the space, the, the, the tooling has to be invisible, and this thing doesn't have to be at the forefront of our mind that this is an NFT. No, it just has to be, here's a digital asset with provable ownership and provenance that you can do whatever you want with it in a variety of ways. And here's the cool things that you can do with it. So like, you know, for example, we built on, on the Flow blockchain. We built Cryptoys because again, like it mm -hmm. falls to our vision of scaling to hundreds of millions of people. They've seen that, that do that successfully and be on-ramps. Uh, with NBA Top Shot to you know people that didn't wasn't experienced the blockchain and got their first taste of NFTs and blockchain through the NBA Top Shot platform, and our belief is that if you fast forward ten years from now, nobody's going to care what blockchain it's on. People are going to care about a few things. Number one is the user experience phenomenal. Number two is the is the are the fees low? You know, like do, do I don't have to incur any fees or gas or stuff like that? And three, do I have true ownership and liquidity of my assets? Like, if I want to sell it, can I sell it? And it, it's really mine. If you could do those three things, I don't think people are going to care the, on what consumer blockchain it's built on. It just have to solve for that. And right now, everybody's kind of again, again, it reminds me of those those early Web two days when everybody was like in the Ruby camp and the Python camp and the PHP camp and. Uh, it caused more harm than good, I think, and more division. So I think if we've learned anything from our past, we have to kind of really unify uh, things here and um, and welcome these people that aren't exposed to crypto, but give them a really new use case for blockchain. And the problem that we have in the space from a consumer perspective is people associate NFTs with scammy cryptocurrencies like ICOs. Mm -hmm. So like like mainstream consumers, they look at this stuff. Like, and I deal with brands. We're doing a bunch of licensing deals, and some of these these fans of these brands that never bought a piece of crypto, Bitcoin, Ethereum in their life, they hear the word NFT and they associate it with 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 scammy crypto. They associate it with like an ICO or like a cash grab. But really, all NFTs are are digital assets you would buy anyways that you just have full ownership of at this point. 
So it's more benefits to the user, but from a marketing standpoint and a user education standpoint, we're not there yet. We're still in the technical jargon phase of this whole industry. We have to be more, uh, you know, you know, language friendly uh, to the consumers and make this more easily digestible. That this is beneficial for all. Uh, it's taken some time to get there, but I'm looking forward to that. So yeah, I echo everything Mohammed just said, and uh, you know, figuring out this next phase. I, I love what <clears throat> I love what you just said. Well, and I always. Um, <clears throat> joke back to your questions, Masa. It's like we're not reinventing humanity here. No, we're just no. we've just introduced some new technology and tools to help create more value. And so, you know, for the listeners, what is that actual value? I think, which was in, embedded in your question, Tomaso. And for me, um, working both on the brand and then on the emerging tech side, it's that secondary ownership and having creator economies like designers, which I think a fabulous partnership that just came out is um, World of Women, right? An NFT community, artist-based community, partnering with The Fabricant, which is also uh, building on Flow Well, uh, and allowing designers to go in and design and create, individual designers design and create fashion uh, that World of Women holders can mint. And and for disclosure, I'm I'm a World of Women holder. Uh, And I think that idea that I can go and create my closet and sell uh, and resell clothes. The big question I have from a sustainability standpoint is does that ownership, whether it be in the toy market well or the fashion industry, does that scratch the consumer itch uh, or, you know, Uh, consume a share of the customer's wallet, the community's wallet, where they're not buying as many physical goods. And so that gets back to if we really wanted to find utility or value, there's this idea of empowering ownership and creators, creating a secondary market, and perhaps, you know, impacting climate and the environment in a serious way. All of these things need to be defined and built, but that's where I'm interested in playing I think lastly, there's translating some of the words. I love Will and Mohammed's points around, you know, verbiage here. I think when I think of tokenomics, it's what the brand world has called, you know, pricing for so long. And when I think of utility, it's what the brand world has has frankly merged into, which is promotions and merchandising and then on the web three side when we talk about community it's what the web two world has done with loyalty a lot of what's happened in the web two brand world around merchandising promotion and loyalty is it's become incredibly commoditized meaning it's all based on price uh, and what I think the Web3 can usher, world can usher in with, with blockchain and, and digital ownership is um, more endemic value and awesome brand building, which a lot of us who love product and love building awesome brands uh, are in the game for. So that's what I'm super stoked on. Absolutely. And you mentioned us. Yeah. yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Will. Yeah, no, I just want to kind of echo the, that kind of stuff and how pr- the, the the ownership model is so important. Um, and you know, just just six months or so ago, was getting my daughter a Hanukkah gift. You know, we're Jewish, so we celebrate Hanukkah. And on the eighth night of Hanukkah, that's like the real big gift. Like it's usually like the big one. And like when I was a kid, I wanted a bicycle or like a Super Nintendo, like something like that. When I asked my daughter, sweetheart, what do you want for Hanukkah? She runs to get, she's like, oh my God, dad, I know. She runs to get her iPad. She wants me to authorize 
$99 of an in-app purchase in her favorite iPad game. That was the big holiday gift, the in-app purchase. And I was just like taken aback. I'm like, all right, because it was like a bundle of like digital items in the game. And I'm like, okay, interesting. So would have would have been nice. And I've done this transaction before. I've given her in-app purchases, $20, $30, et cetera, back to what Brianna was saying about microtransactions. Happens all the time. What I would have loved to be able to say to my daughter is that, okay, sweetheart, you want $99 worth of more in-game items and purchases? Why don't you sell the other 100 items that you don't play with? Or even better yet, why don't you give those to charity to somebody that can't afford to another gamer that would like these items? They're sitting there doing nothing. Right now, she's unable to do either. Um, so again, this is, and seeing it in our kids and this next generation, it is abundantly clear that this is the way the world is going. Uh, that the, the the world is being spent more and more digital, and digital items are incredibly important. I mean, if you ask my daughter right now, I'll give you a choice: a physical hat or a digital hat. She's going to have a tough decision on her hands. It's not a no-brainer. You know, when it was maybe like five years ago, I'd be like, yeah, sure, a physical hat versus like, no, this is a very different kind of world, and it's going to get more and more strong these currents. So, um, you know, blockchain plays a really big part of those secondary transactions, prove prove, prove ownership. And back to that Halo example, you know, just. This kind of makes no sense that you could sell a physical copy, but the, the same license rights don't come to reselling a digital copy. So, you know, interesting times ahead for these transitions. And in real life world, you don't you don't you don't get to spend, you know, a hundred, two hundred, three hundred, four hundred, a thousand dollars on a head, right? But in a digital world, right. they love doing it, right? <laughs> so my son came back and he said he asked me for what seven hundred and fifty dollars sneakers, but digitally. And I was like, Yeah. What? Exactly, exactly. Well, this has been phenomenal. This is another episode of uh, Navigating the Metaverse, Brianna, uh, Mohamed, and uh, Will. And I always like to wrap up things with my um, questions about a future back vision, right? And I know that 10 years down the road in Web3 is a lot, right? So make it five, make it three, make it 10, you know. Um, Brianna, what's your vision of uh, Web3 Metaverse in 10 years? Where are you positioned? Where is your company positioned, right? And maybe if you want to add also what are implication or challenges in order to get there. Yeah, such a fun question. And I'm sure people listening at home are, are thinking, I wish I could hear what their thoughts Um I mean, look, a couple of things. One, similar to Andy Warhol's 15 Minutes of Fame, which we're all realizing and experiencing now, I think uh, we're going to have, you know, 15 minutes of uh, ownership. And so I think, uh, and, and business building, everyone's going to be able to build and sell and grow sort of a mini economy within their own homes, both digitally and physically. And I, and I love how that exposes sort of the end-to-end ownership in both the physical and digital world. I think that's, that's super exciting. One of the bigger questions I have, and if anyone knows the answers, call me, uh, is, is the, are we going to win on the, are the endemic brands going to be able to embrace this new wave of technology enabling the ownership and the value we discussed today? Or will the emerging brands similar to the DTC wave that we saw over the last 20 years come in? Uh, there's some amazing platforms with Shopify adopting ownership of NFT. Uh, there's a cool brand, uh, Try Your Best, Ty Haney's of Outdoor Voices, new brand uh, with endemic brands building on, on blockchain. And so... I mean, if I were a betting woman, Tommaso, and you had me choose today, I'd say it's going to be a hybrid, and I'm excited to invest and build and play in that space. 
Yeah, I love it. Thank you so much. Mohamed, what's your take? What's your vision? Take us 10, 10 years down the road or five. But I guess five, 10 years down the road, I, I imagine people grouping together based on, on interests more so than, than based on geographical location or passport they hold or um, what nationality they are, but more so what football team they support, what cause they're fighting for. And I, I can sort of see that the boundaries of, of nation states starting to, I wouldn't say crumble, but I say, again, these are my own personal views, but I think people realize that we have a lot more in common and it's what connects us, what will bring people forward. And what that looks like in the metaverse, if it will be a mix between actual, actually being online and then mix of in real life events. And I feel it's, it's having a mix of both is where we truly win. Because if it's, if we're just online, we are the losers in, in, in that case. So digital to digital is just the beginning, but then it, it flourishes and it gets to the maximum value creation, whether we could really connect uh, the digital with the physical. I love, I love that perspective. Well, last but not least. Yeah, years down the road. I believe 10 years down the line, we will see rapid adoption of the consumer blockchain. Uh, you know, I think right now we're at the early stages and, you know, you saw a lot of financial services, DeFi, and then the early stages of NFTs. But the consumer blockchain is being built right now. We talk about we're in a quote unquote bear market. And it's pretty amazing that so many of these companies that were funded over the last 24 months uh, that built some amazing teams and are just now, they're behind the scenes working on some really incredible products that are going to kickstart this next big wave of innovation and these next big on-ramps onto the blockchain, they are going to emerge over the next you know couple years here. So I think 10 years down the line, you're going to see a lot of these people that come out in 2023, 2024, 2025, build those freeways and highways that will be the on-ramps for millions of people onto the blockchain. And you will see in the next decade, uh, the blockchain will be considered just internet tooling in, in a sense where right now it very much feels like a cryptocurrency layer. It's not going to feel like that 10 years online. It's again, it's just databasing and, and infrastructure and and kind of providing that decentralization for us to so for us to transact like we do in the real life, I would hand you a dollar physically. We don't need anybody in between us to do that. Digitally, as we live more of our lives, blockchain allows us to do that in a variety of ways. And the consumer implications are massive across so many industries. We're very fortunate and, and, and blessed to be focusing on the toy and gaming industry uh, and doing some fun stuff there. But there's so many industries that will be adopted uh, uh, you know, and impacted in a, in a positive way. So I think the 10 years down the line, I mean, I see a lot of excitement for this industry and I, I no doubt, you know, my, my, my co-panelists and, and you, Tomasa, will play a big part in this next decade of innovation to come. So I'm really excited to see where, where all that takes us. I love it. Thank you so much, uh, Will. And uh, basically, we're going to be metaversing Moment, I'll coin another one today in this. <laughs> we're we're <laughs> mentioning all kinds of phrases today. No <laughs> so we are going to be metaversing the same way, the same way we are today online. Like it's transparent, it's fluid, right? And by the way, Will, I, I don't know, but 10 years down the road, I think your daughter will be, will she be by then already the CEO the of uh, Crypto? The 19th, oh, 19th, so yeah, it might be, might, might be the case, right? Phenomenal. And with that, I would like to thank you to having uh, listened to this uh, episode or watched it, depending on where you're tuning in from. And as always, I'll be meeting you in the next episode and I'll see you in the metaverse. Bye.
Thank you for listening. Another quick reminder about our referral code for Upland, the Earth's metaverse where you can flip virtual properties, become a MetaVentures entrepreneur, or just connect with other like-minded players to rebuild the world together. Download Upland on iOS, Android, or web today using the referral link in the show notes and get a 6,000 UpX sign-up bonus. Just a quick disclaimer, the information shared on this show is for entertainment purposes only. This is not investment advice. Thank you for joining us and see you in the metaverse.